Hey, Urban Farm Podcast listeners. If you're as passionate about preserving the bounty of each season as we are, hey, I canned my first peaches at the age of 18, and that was a long time ago, then you're going to love what our friends over at Denali Canning have in store for you. They're on a mission to spread the love and knowledge of food preservation, and they're inviting you to join the journey for free. Right now, Denali Canning is offering free canning lids to anyone who wants to dive deeper into the world of food preservation. Yes, you heard that right, absolutely free. It's the perfect opportunity for both seasoned canners and those curious about starting. Denali is about quality, reliability, and supporting the canning community, ensuring that you get the best results every time you preserve. So why not give it a try? Visit DenaliCanning.com forward slash free to claim your free lids and start your preserving adventures today. That's DenaliCanning.com forward slash free. You're listening to the Urban Farm Podcast, your partner in the grow your own food revolution. Whether you've just been introduced to urban farming or you're a lifelong advocate, we're sure you'll leave feeling more informed, equipped, and empowered to dig deeper into the soil of your local food economy. With you every step of the way, here's your host, Greg Peterson. Today on the Urban Farm Podcast, we have Dave Young of Tallahassee Permaculture to talk about weather prediction for homesteaders. Captain Dave, as he is known, has been gardening since he was a kid, and his dad taught him fishing, hunting, gardening, and the myriad of skills of self-reliant outdoorsmen. He has been a scuba instructor and a dive boat captain, has now been in professional aviation for over two decades, and currently is a pilot for the governors of Florida. Captain Dave is also a certified permaculture designer. He has six acres of woods that he has been food foresting for a couple of decades and permaculturing for five years. His main crop is blueberries, and in addition to vegetables, he raises rabbits, chickens, ducks, and turkeys. Welcome to the show today, Captain Dave. Thank you very much, and hello to uh, your audience, who I don't uh, know very well, but I endeavor will be endeavoring to learn your audience. There you go. Thank you so much for being here. So I shared a bit about you. Can you fill in the blanks for us and share how about the path that you took to get where you're at today? Sure. Uh, let's start off with where I'm at today is kind of a, uh, a realization we're all getting that uh, we need to take responsibility for our own food. Food is health, and we're all understanding the connection that um, uh, a lot of the stuff that we see in the grocery store might be uh, hitting uh, out of the ballpark for our taste buds, but not very well, not doing a good job at the cellular level to right. feed and nourish us. So, therefore, uh, the proactive person wants to take action and and to arrive at a good place where they're feeding themselves as healthy as possible. Now, the journey to get here, as we talked about, I grew up in Virginia. Uh, I enjoyed playing in the ocean and the water, and that nice. was a marvelous, fun thing. I took a lot of people. But I trained about a 1,000 people on scuba, some nice. form of going in the water and playing around. Right. And that was very, very enjoyable, and I don't, I don't regret a minute of it, but I wanted something a little less beach bomb and a little more professionally oriented. So aviation had been another mm. uh, just driver uh, as a young man, so came down to Florida, get all my ratings, started uh, teaching, and flew a whole lot of cargo, 
and then got into the corporate flying world and eventually ended up flying the governors. Um, alas, uh, politics has intervened, and the new governor of Florida shut down the department, sold the airplane, so oh. I'm back, fly, back, back flight instructing and um, oh, nice. uh, corporate pilot. Right. But many thousands of hours spent mostly over the southeast looking down as a with a biologist eye. I'm, oh, my gosh. I, I'm not... I'm not credentialed as a biologist, but looking down at the landscape, uh, I do consider myself uh, something of a, a botanist, uh, just as a grower of plants, and and a woodsman as a hunter and hiker and so forth. And I look down at the landscape and I go, "Oh my God, where is the uh, where is the original vegetation? Where is all the original trees and things that have been growing here for last mil- many millennia?" Right. It's all all plowed it's all farm landscape it's all monoculture just as far as you can go mm-hmm. uh, that profoundly shook me the extent uh, of, of uh, what we've done to the landscape and how uh, I remember a book Bill McKibben the end of um, the end of biology or something and I just see how disruptive we humans have been to the landscape. That gets me thinking of how do we fix that, and that eventually brought me to permaculture. About 20 years ago, I I acquired six acres of land here uh, in northern Florida, and I've been trying to do sort of restoration agriculture to old uh, pine plantation Mm -hmm. and also turn it into uh, the concept of the time was food forest. I see on your bio that that you were turned on to permaculture in the early 90s. I didn't find it till uh, oh, call it about um, 2008, 2009, in that time frame. For me, permaculture, the whole concept just knocks it out of the ballpark. That, as my British friends say, that's the way forward. It's humans coming up with a brilliant plan of how do we fix this. Right. Uh, anyway, so uh, th- I was very fortunate here. The lo- the local uh, Leon County IFAS, the um, land grant uh, teaching uh, facility in town here, right. taught the first permaculture designer course that they know of in the nation. And after a couple years of, of um, uh, putting it into practice and also sort of assistant teaching with them a little bit, I took another class from Jeff Lawton, his uh, online class, just right. to fill in a little holes and uh-huh. add a little more depth to my knowledge mm-hmm. and uh, broaden the perspective a little bit and uh, so that's where we're at now I'm just trying to do functionality how to apply these things to the land and the dirt and the uh, you know grow where you're planted kind of thing nice does, nice. does that does that hit the oh yeah head on the nail that, that's great okay. and there's so much ripeness there for me to pick from so I'm going to start by saying what is permaculture what's your definition of permaculture the most difficult elevator speech I have ever had in my life. Uh, um, I have read uh, 78 different, there's a, there's a webpage of definitions of permaculture. Oh, yes. Even even the big guys in the business sort of fumble about. Basically, it is, in my, from my point of view, it is uh, applying human wisdom to fixing what we've done wrong with the environment and utilizing a thought process mm-hmm. and a design philosophy to turn your backyard into a garden of Eden. Backyard and front yard, I will add. And front yard. Yeah. I'm doing both Absolutely. front and back. Yes, sir. Absolutely. Cool. So who were who the teachers of your original permaculture design course? 
Well, there's a fellow named Wild Sheftal, and Sissy and Anna Lee are both, uh, uh, they were adjunct kind of instructors. Wild Sheftal, an amazing fellow. He's, um, uh, he, he's done uh, biological research all over the state. He, did, uh, he, he was in the Florida Keys setting up, a. I remember one of his early projects, a Lou Key Research Center and so forth. So he's, he's uh, like myself, he's been around the dirt and the sky and the land nice. and the water in a lot of places, and he's uh, forward-thinking and visionary enough to uh, get it going here in, uh, in Tallahassee, and just a pleasure to study with and learn from, and hats off to him. Nice. So when I took my permaculture design course, I took it when I was 30 years old, and yeah. it, it was a way that I already thought. I just didn't have a word for it. So when I, as I, I kept going through, you know, the, like there was a sore point on my forehead where I kept smacking myself, <laughs> you know, because I kept saying to myself, oh my gosh, this is what I've been thinking about all my life. Did you, what was your experience around that? Because I know most people. Uh, for Pretty much the same thing. This answers all the questions I haven't even asked yet. My my, yeah, that's a good way of putting it. Yeah. To to Bill Mollison, uh, he is the fellow that uh, before you and I. uh, My sense is he started on the same process as me as a new biologist looking at the world. We're screwing up. We're screwing up. We're screwing up. How do we fix this? And by golly, I think the man has absolutely knocked it out of the park. He's come up with a process whereby. Not only we fix so many ills, we fix the overall planet problems, we fix individual personal problems where you are uh, everything from nature deficit disorder to eating poorly uh-huh. to thinking stupidly, uh, permaculture <laughs> yes. fixes it all. Yeah, exactly. It's a, it's a whole new way of thinking. So for, the, exactly. for all our listeners out there that haven't explored permaculture, put the name of your city and permaculture in Google. And go find somebody locally that's doing it. There's somebody out there doing permaculture in your neighborhoods, in your cities. Go find it and, and participate. Let's see. I think it's Toby Hemingway. Is he uh, Gaia's Garden? Yep, Toby Hemingway. Uh, that would be Garden. my first book to recommend as an entry-level drug. Uh, <laughs> and um, Bill Mollison's books are a little off-putting. Uh, you've got to be. You already have to be a convert yeah. to, to plow your way through them. But Gaia's Garden is a beautiful place to start, it, it really a good is. intro, and tells you what you need to then need to know. Then hook up with somebody locally who just gets you going. Perfect. Uh, and uh, I'm sorry, your life will be wrecked thenceforth. <laughs> you'll, be, you'll be a mind-numb zombie like the rest of us going, grow vegetables, yeah. grow, grow vegetables. vegetables. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Well, Toby's actually a friend of mine, and he teaches a class with Urban Farm U with us. So... Uh, I but, saw that. I yeah. am deeply impressed, and yeah. I'm not qualified to clean the dirt off his boots, but oh, let's there roll. You <laughs> there you go. There you go. So let's jump on to the topic of the day. Why is yes, weather prediction so important for homesteaders and gardeners and farmers and those people that want to grow food? Well, one of my um, mentors in the business is a Marjorie uh, Wildcraft. Can oh, I yeah. mention her website? and oh, her yes. Yeah. A Marjorie Wildcraft of Grow Your Own Groceries. She'd uh, written a little blog post, I guess probably around 2008 or 9, about uh, she'd put some seedlings out and uh, a surprise cold front had wiped them out. Well, mm-hmm. which of us gardeners have not had uh, that uh, the cruel twists of um, uh, meteorology uh, thwart one of our plans <laughs> or many yeah, of our exactly. plans? It's something I've been thinking a lot about. 
both as a boat captain, Virginia, North Carolina, oh, right. and certainly as a pilot, I have been embedded in the weather for 30 years now, and uh, flying around through these clouds and through thunderstorms and through hurricanes, been smacked about my, uh, been smacked about my share. So, what is it? A wise man learns his enemy, um, and so I tried to uh, make a great study of the uh, of the atmosphere and weather and so forth, and then uh, it sort of clicked for me when uh, Marjorie talked about her poor little baby uh, seedlings just coming up were cruelly killed mm-hmm. by a heartless cold frost. It occurred to me, okay, uh, we all need to uh, learn more about uh, prediction, prediction and so forth. I'm all about being inside the weather uh, mm-hmm. for 30 years now, so I feel like I have a, a, a very um, intimate grasp of it, more so than a lot of PhDs who teach this sub- subject academically in schools. Right. And so uh, as I read Farmer's Almanac and I read the old predictions and I read the old sailor's lore of um, mackerel skies and so forth and all this old farmer's lore, it occurred to me, all right, let's pull that all together into kind of dynamic audiovisual stuff to uh, bring everybody up to speed. Most of us nowadays, we live in our air-conditioned, carpeted, heated, and uh, conditioned cubicles. Then we go get in our um, uh, four-wheeled cubicles and drive around in, in, in conditioned, carpeted, uh, little mini uh, atmosphere. And then we go to our work and spend eight hours there in our, minicu- in our um, uh, air-conditioned, yep. uh, climate-controlled uh, office. And so... Uh, weather is a very abstract thing unless uh, unless it's really smiting thee like floods and, and tornadoes right. and so forth. really in our face. So, so many of us are uh, directly trying to get out of doors, plant this stuff, and now we notice this phenomenon of weather. I need to understand more about this. And so that's what I'm trying to do is um, uh, bring together modern scientific theory, and I'm digging into the old uh, sailors' verses and so forth, and and farmers' uh, wisdom accumulated over thousands of years that your great-great-granddad knew because Uh he was out in the field every day planting collards, um, but we've kind of gotten away from. I'm hoping that will resonate with some folks and they're interested in um, learning more about that. So what is what is predicting the weather look like <laughs> it is uh as you as soon as you step out, step outside the door you use all your senses oh. is the air cold is it warm is it dry are there smells along the gulf coast of mexico from texas to, uh, around to tampa uh-huh. you, when the wind's out of the south you can smell the salt air coming in 13 20 40 miles inland all uh, right or are you smelling the pines when the uh, a cold front has come through and the wind's out of the northwest um, are you smelling the uh, crisp um, scent of the pines or the pine pollen and so forth? It's just about engaging all your senses, your sight, your sound. And what I'd like to do is dig more into the lore of um, uh, all those old sayings that everybody knew. I mean, you were taught on your granddad's knee uh, uh, about um, mayor's tales and uh, macro scales and all kinds of yeah, stuff. All right, exactly. let's dig into a little of that. And science and the ability to measure this stuff, we have a much, much, much better knowledge. Predictions are getting better all the time. Mm-hmm. Uh, so um, let's put that all together and bring folks back. 
I want to bring whoever interested back to where, you know, at least your great-great-grand does, dad did. So he'd go outside and he needed to know what the weather looked like in a day or two or three by looking at the clouds and smelling the wind. And if he had it, uh, noting the falling barometer and stuff like that. So we hope to put together all that stuff. Modern science, ancient lore, um, what are the cows doing? Uh, how's your dog behave? How fast are the crickets chirping? Oh, Just to give folks a better handle on um, do I need to – there's only so much stuff humans can do in the, in the majesty of nature, but certainly we can cover our crops and learn more about – which I am learning more about um, uh, row tunnels and, and um, uh, coverings for my citrus trees and stuff like that. Right. Perfect. What – as a farmer and a gardener here in Phoenix, if I, so I walk out and, you know, I start using my senses to pay attention. What then is my next move? Well, the, the I would submit that uh, it's to learn the patterns of your area. You mm. live in the desert southwest, I and do. Um, you do not have a lot of moisture in your air. That's right. the nature of why it's dry and sear and burned all around you. And so your thought is water all the time, which my right. understanding is you already you're already there. You're storing it, you're saving it, and so forth. But your weather patterns will be very peculiar to your area because of the mountains around you. The mm-hmm. fact that um, when it wind, uh, when the wind comes onshore in California, loaded with moisture, it dumps it all in the Sierra Nevadas, and not much of that moisture gets, gets to you. Gets to us, right? So uh, someone living in uh, Connecticut and someone living in Minot, and all are going to have vastly different overall climatology. Mostly what I'm going for is the overall patterns. Uh, I'm, I'm going from outer space and zooming back at the Earth and looking at the layers of the atmosphere and how the Earth is heated unhe- unevenly and how the um, uh, it's going to be a fun romp through science, uh, but also show you the overall big picture of what drives it. Then everybody, I obviously cannot cover every um, uh, locale on, right. in, in America, let alone uh-huh. the planet. So I'm going to give you overall background knowledge, or going to try to, uh, of what are the processes, what are the patterns, and uh, permaculture is big on patterns. What are the patterns that recur over and over and over in your area? And a huge part of it is what are the clouds telling you about those patterns? And at some uh, at some point, it becomes a uh, oh, yes. uh, rhythmic it's a giant cosmic dance and so i'm not sure what the signs are in your area i don't know mm-hmm. how i haven't been to phoenix i don't think i've ever been to phoenix and so you'll need to dis- discover i'm trying to give you the basic skills right. of the barometer and the thermometer and the clouds and so forth and from there uh you divine your own uh local knowledge perfect welcome to permaculture right it Thank depends you. And pattern, it depends, exactly. It depends. And, and so, um, I've, as I learned more, I was blown away when uh, I learned more about the patterns in nature from the chapter and lectures uh, from um, Jeff Lawton. Right. And uh, I'm trying to extend that further. Okay, patterns are an important thing. And so the patterns of how we grow plants have to fit nicely into the patterns of our seasons and so forth, mm-hmm. uh, the overall four seasons that most of us get. And then the day, the quotidian day-to-day gentleness or ferocity of the weather around us. Right. Perfect. So I, I, given all of this, a question has come up for me, and I've always yes, been sir. curious about that. When a when the barometer is dropping, what does that mean? 
<laughs> there's two basic blobs of air that are moving across our landscape. And right. us as, as little creatures, uh, ants, if you will, on the bottom of the ocean of air, uh-huh. um, high pressure, think, so, think of it as a pile of leaves, like a pile of air molecules. They're literally uh, piling up on top of each other. They're sinking down. Um, they're causing clouds to dissipate, and they form a high pressure. And if you look at your barometer and there's a big H, well, that means pretty good weather and probably no rain. No rain. Right. A low pressure is the opposite. Imagine a giant parcel of air, I don't know, the size of the county you live in. Right. Uh, it gets heated from below. Usually it's the sun raiding down to the ground. It shakes the molecules of the ground. They shake the molecules above them. Those molecules are vibrating more. They're pushing each- against each other. That air rises up because it becomes less dense. As it rises as a giant mass, it's cooling, and if there's moisture in it, that moisture uh, condenses and starts to fall on you as rain. So that's, nice. a gi- that's a vague uh, giant overview. High pressure generally means pretty good ra- uh, weather. weather, and we want to show you the physics reason why. And low pressure generally means um, wet weather, and we'll show you the physics of why. Well, fantastic. All right, cool. So I'm actually going to shift a little bit now on you, and I want to I want to ask you about a time you failed and how you overcame that failure. What did you learn from it? Um, I'm I'm the permaculture weather guy, right? Um, or right. at least I'm trying I'm trying to be. Um, I have written a few articles for Marjorie's blog. Nothing, none of them were brilliant or anything, but I'm trying to be uh, find that niche and fill it. Right. And uh, I would like you to go out and walk around in my yard uh, right now today and look at all the dead and dying uh, mm. plants whose cells were fractured by 29 degree temperatures oh, over the yes. night the last few uh the last few days you don't have to go far to see my failures as a as a farmer Mm -hmm. a gardener and so forth sometimes the uh, crazy busyness of life uh just gets in the way of covering your plants thinking ahead and um i i realize that's all of us so um i'm hoping to develop a coterie of people who want to talk about think about this and come up with how do we best incorporate incorporate our new knowledge and new patterns and new understanding of weather? How do we incorporate them into the permaculture landscape so that we're one step ahead of weather and um, have we're always going to have failure? Sometimes weather is just so powerful. There's, yeah. there's very little we can do. Um, however, I would like to uh, develop uh, thought processes. Uh, I'm not as brilliant as Bill Mollison, but um, uh, develop sort of protocols and processes so that we are, are good are as best as we can be um, to our plants and our animals who are, we're, you know, uh, we have the responsibility of being good to our animals and so forth. Uh, if we're going to raise them and eat them, um, we could, uh, there's nothing to be, I think, more immoral than the neglect and 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 um, you know um, abuse of our animals. So I'm I'm thinking toward protocols. Uh, how do we incorporate a brief little? Uh, blurb into each uh, permaculture class about here's the weather, here's the patterns, what do we do about that? Nice. Fantastic. And what do you consider one of your biggest successes? I have been very fortunate to find a niche 
in in this new way of thinking, uh, just my good fortune at choosing aviation. It has been uh, an incredible blast for 30 years now. It's it's a very very uh, mercurial, uh, volatile industry i described to young folks getting in it's a real sine wave uh moving yeah. your hands in front of you in a giant side wave good times bad times good times bad, bad times, times good go. times bad times depending on politics and the price of fuel and a thousand other things um so i i'm i'm just absolutely delighted that uh aviation has has um uh taught me a very great deal about the sky and now a couple choo-choo trains are coming together for me a lifelong growing gardens and half a lifetime in the sky of uh, learning weather and I'm finding a niche and that's a fun place in life and so that's what I'm urging your audience to do is take the sum total of their not life knowledge find the niche and just go there and be the gal be the guy it's wonderful to see that in in the industry it's just exploding with people who are the yogurt experts and the just uh, the photovoltaic experts and all that uh, where What it does is gives us better health, better life, and um, and more and more freedom. So I am very excited about uh, what folks are doing with permaculture and uh, just a new way of thinking about how people live and, and work and play. Perfect. Perfect. And so um, you're going to be speaking at the Homegrown Food Summit coming up the first, second week of March this I'm spring. I'm told that. On, <laughs> on weather prediction. Say, huh? <laughs> yeah, well, tell us about that, would you? The idea is uh, we've sort of kind of worked it all in over the last while. It is um, I want to fill the niche and teach people who are they're deeply studying botany and they're mm-hmm. studying soil science and all that as it should be. But uh, the the fun parts of nature and the not fun parts of nature can help that and hurt that, and so. If I do my job right, I um, get people at least excited and moving down the road to a better understanding and appreciation of weather. Along those lines, well, I can think of it. There's a fabulous book, um, the Cloud Spotter Guy, the Cloud Spotter's Guide, a fellow published it in England. It is absolutely a delicious book. Uh, it, it, the guy's a brilliant writer, and he makes clouds funny and industri- interesting. I'm, and I'm not talking just about, um, you know, there's Yogi Bear, there's a cloud that looks like an elephant. Um, he's a very literate, talented, funny writer, and I just want to wow. uh, plug his book. Uh, and, he's, and he's formed a website, the Cloud Appreciation Society. And so I would uh, aim folks toward that uh, as a good way to start learning weather. Anyway, Fantastic. looping back around, uh, if I do this right, I um, am an adjunct to folks who are much more knowledgeable than myself, like a Toby Hemingway and your other um, impressive staff. I fill in a small niche uh, just about um, what happens when we walk outdoors. And um, imagine we're living at the bottom of an ocean of air, and um, how do we best cope with that moving, freezing, roasting ocean? Fantastic. What is one final piece of advice that you have for our listeners? Use all of your senses mm-hmm. and be in the moment, uh, be, uh, have situational awareness. From in the moment you step out your door, we teach this to pilots. Um, smell the air, feel the air, where is it moving, where is it coming from? We always talk about uh, wind, where it's coming mm-hmm. from, not where right. it's going to. Um, 
uh, feel its strength, its velocity, look at the sky, look at the clouds, and then the, the ultimate goal is putting all that together. So now that you recognize the pattern you happen to be in, as the, in this moment, just as we step outside, or, or you're just leisurely working in your garden, uh-huh. uh, pulling up some weeds, um, eating them. Sometimes the weeds are more nutritious than the food. Than the food, there you go. And um, just looking at the sky as an engaged human who uh, you're, we're lucky enough to be able to think on a much higher order than all the creatures around us and discern these patterns. And now the goal is to make a prediction. Six hours from now, 24 hours from now, 36. Beyond that, our skills are going to be kind of feeble. Yeah. Uh, you, we need computers and professionals, meteorologists and so forth. But we can do a pretty darn good estimation of 6, 12, 24, 36 right. hours with, with the skills we're learning. Fantastic. You know, I lucked out. I live in Phoenix, Arizona. It's always sunny and warm here. I, I, uh, I look forward to learn more about what you're doing with the uh, energy systems and photovoltaics and all that. Fantastic. Fantastic. Well, thank you so much for joining us on the show and sharing your experience with us, Captain Dave. It's been a treat getting to chat with you and your experience around weather prediction. Um, how can our listeners get a hold of you? I have a prototype website up at the moment, uh, TallahassePermaculture.com. I think it's HTTP is uh, yeah. uh, more reliable than www. Basically, for now, I would focus their eyes to um, Marjorie Wildcraft at Grow Your Own Groceries. Uh, she's my uh, big boss mentor, uh-huh. and um, uh, I am uh, following her uh, teachings and so forth, just trying to be an adjunct for her and a, a minion. Picture me as one of those little yellow minions. I for couldn't. I couldn't ever imagine you as a minion with your <laughs> with your outspokenness, <laughs> which I love it. Uh, so, well, what is it uh, to be a uh, good leader? You need to be a good, good follower. follower. So yeah, Marjorie's exactly. uh, uh, Marjorie's the head star. of the rag and train, for as far yeah. as I'm concerned. Anyway, yeah, um, Greg, you're a great interviewer. I thank you thank very you. much. Um, it's been a great pleasure, and uh, I look forward to meeting your audience and learning. Perfect. Perfect. Thank you so much. And that's it for today. Thanks for joining us on the Urban Farm Podcast. We hope you enjoyed today's episode of the Urban Farm Podcast. Remember to listen three days a week for tips, advice, and resources to help you on your journey with urban farming. You can find us on the web at urbanfarm.org or send us an email to podcast at urbanfarm.org. In the words of Vincent Van Gogh, great things are done by a series of small things brought together. Be encouraged that with each lesson learned and skill developed, you are one step closer in the direction of your dreams. Hey, Urban Farm Podcast listeners. If you're as passionate about preserving the bounty of each season as we are, hey, I canned my first peaches at the age of 18, and that was a long time ago, then you're going to love what our friends over at Denali Canning have in store for you. They're on a mission to spread the love and knowledge of food preservation, and they're inviting you to join the journey for free. Right now, Denali Canning is offering free canning lids to anyone who wants to dive deeper into the world of food preservation. Yes, you heard that right, absolutely free. It's the perfect opportunity for both seasoned canners and those curious about starting. Denali is about quality, reliability, and supporting the canning community, ensuring that you get the best results every time you preserve. 
So why not give it a try? Visit DenaliCanning.com forward slash free to claim your free lids and start your preserving adventures today. That's DenaliCanning.com forward slash free.